0: Welcome back to What the HR Podcast. I'm Jesse Novi, an HR business partner with CH Robinson.
1: And I'm Mike Toole, HR technology consultant with SAP SuccessFactors.
0: Welcome back to another episode of What the HR. Today, Mike and I are fortunate enough to be joined by Becky Etsby. Becky is a partner at Next Monday. And Next Monday is a company that offers individual coaching, peer groups, and events to help connect and inspire a life with no regrets. Before joining next Monday, Becky was the Senior Vice President of Human Resources and Organizational Development for a privately held, employee owned grocery retailer. And there she led strategic initiatives and teams that were responsible for recruiting, retaining, and training talent. In our time with Becky today, we really focused on the importance of servant leadership, specifically about being curious being an empathetic leader, an attentive, and a humble leader. And Becky gave us lots of really good nuggets of information that, frankly, I know I'm going to bring back to my workplace, and I know a lot of you are going to want to put into action immediately as well. So I hope that you end up loving this episode as much as Mike and I did. As always, if you would like to leave us feedback, we would strongly encourage you uh, provide us a review and a rating on your favorite podcast platform. And if there are individuals you would like us to interview and or topics you would like us to cover, you can reach out to Mike and I on LinkedIn, or you can send us an email at Podcast at tcsherm.org. That's podcast at tcshrm.org. Happy listening. All right. Well, Becky, thank you so much for joining Mike and I on the What the HR podcast. We're incredibly, uh, feel incredibly fortunate to have you with us here today, and we're excited to dive into this topic. Although I gave our listeners a little bit of a bio about you at the top of the episode, if you could just uh, maybe help our listeners understand what you've been up to recently. Um, I know that you have a, a pretty recent partnership that I think our listeners would enjoy hearing about. And then professionally, anything that you've been busy with, with your clients.
2: Yes, thank you, and welcome, everyone. I, my name is Becky Espy, and I have over 30 years of HR and leadership experience. I was a, HR, a senior vice president of HR and organizational development for a large grocer in the Midwest, and recently decided to follow, follow my passion for business and also for leadership and go into a partnership with a woman-owned business called Next Monday. So my current focus is really on growing next Monday into the Minneapolis market, and I'm looking forward to connecting with women for executive peer groups and also, you know, helping women through events and all kinds of other things with living a life of no regret. In addition to that, I've been on a leadership journey, and I've been searching my entire career for a a new way to look at leadership and I feel like I have found that and so I've been fortunate to bring that journey into an organization to be on the journey myself and now I'm looking to take others on that that journey. I'm a wife a mother of three beautiful children and have always been very career focused and I've always said I don't uh, consider my work work I consider it just uh, a passion and something I do. And so I've uh, had the fort fortune of balancing all of those things throughout my entire career.
0: Well, that's great, and I think the topic of leadership development is an important topic at any point and in any season that we're going through in life. But I would say especially right now. Things just still feel very uncertain, I think, for a lot of people. Companies I I know have been going through a lot of transition over the course of the last year. And I think leaders and individual contributors have struggled. And so I think that this topic is going to be an important one for our listenership today. So we're really excited to have you here. So, to get things kicked off with our topic today, maybe you could start by just shedding some light for our listeners on what you believe is missing when it comes to really, you know, leadership development today? Yeah,
2: I would say, you know, what's missing is that the focus has always been on more of the what of leadership. And what I mean by that is leadership development programs are so often about the skill side of things, making someone more strategic or how to how to motivate your staff or how to you know staff your department and really focus on more of the what and i think what's missing is really that it's the who of leadership and it's so critical that we focus on who we are as leaders and not not what we do you, we have we have to have both but if we focused on more who we were and the time and attention that we gave to our employees we would be those leaders that are worth
0: following. Well said. So what are some things that you've done with your clients on that topic to maybe help others identify that or, or see that? Because I think it is easy for people to get caught up in maybe uh, your history. Uh, as a leader, or maybe perhaps not as a leader for individual contributors that are maybe seeking out leadership opportunities inside or outside of their organization, or individuals that have maybe taken a very, you know, kind of boxed in approach, if you will, to how they think about um, showing up as a leader and making change within their organization or on their team.
2: Yeah. So becoming, you know, a leader or a who leader, I'll call it, and focusing on the who really takes three things and it takes depth, community and time. And the depth part is that you've really got to go deep and and look at yourself. So you've got to kind of like pick up that behavior rock. We're not trying to change people's performance. But we're trying to get them to pick up their own rock and look underneath and find out kind of what are their motivations and their perceptions that have them behave as leaders the way they behave. And the community part is really about uh, through through the journeys that we lead our clients on, the community part is pairing them with a small group of other leaders that they can engage with on a weekly basis and learn from and journal with and it really holds them accountable to taking the time to really do the work of the journey, because it is a lot of work to focus on who you are. And this account, it's like an accountability group. But it's also a group that you can really reflect with and learn from. So it is about so much more than accountability, but but it's about both. And then the last one is time. So going on a journey to become a better to who does take time because you have to invest. And so often our leadership development programs, everybody kind of wants that one and done. And you go to a leadership program, you get all excited and you take all these notes and you come back to your office and you put that notebook away and you don't think about it again. This is really different because you're practicing daily who you are, and how you want to show up for the people that you lead. And so you are doing the work real time and it benefits you. It benefits the people you're leading. And quite frankly, it benefits your family as
0: well.
1: Yeah. Everybody wants a silver bullet, right? Just get it done. Fix me overnight. That'd be, that'd be the best. But if we back up a little bit, Becky, can you talk a little bit more about what you mean by the what versus the who? I, I mean, it's, Somewhat self-explanatory, but some examples of, I think I understand the, the what part of it. Like, what am I supposed to be doing as a leader? But when you say who, what like, what am I really searching for? Or what are you helping your clients find?
2: Yeah. So there is a lot of research that has been done on what makes a leader effective. And so the research, it's been done by the Imperial, the group that I'm going on the, the journey with and, and doing the journey work. And it's been done by Harvard Business Review, Human Synergistics, Gallup, Center for Creative Leadership. They've all published research that shows that there's there's eight factors of leadership. One is strategic. You know, one is the motivating others. But there's two factors that led to 77% of of a leader's effectiveness and those two were others focused and inwardly sound. And that's what we mean by the who. If you work on being others focused and inwardly sound, all of those other things still have to get done because that's part of being a leader. But they actually will become easier because you are gaining the trust by focusing on others and being inwardly sound, being consistent as a leader you know, not blowing up and being just a, a, a really a person that people want to follow, you gain their trust, you gain their loy- loyalty, they're more engaged with the organization. So there's a true ROI for becoming a WHO leader.
1: So on, on that topic, it's leaders are not just born then you hear that phrase sometimes, right? So is some of these things that people tend to follow, you know, seem to be natural within certain leaders. Is that counterintuitive to to your point? Or are you saying that any leader can be trained on some of those soft skills?
2: So that's kind of like the million dollar question. You know, often people will ask, you know, I've been a leader for 30 years. Can I really change who I am or how how I do this? And the answer is yes, you can. So do some people have some innate abilities, maybe they have some abilities that make them more charismatic as a leader, or, you know, they have some natural leading tendencies. But what we're saying is the reach research shows over and over again, that really, for the effective leaders, the ones that people want to follow and continue to follow the people they that would leave their job to go work for that leader again are those leaders that are really inwardly sound, meaning they, you know, they've done the work and they're, they've done the work on, you know, those gremlins or those monsters that can come out at times and, and they stay very consistent and their are others focused. So others focus would look like, you know, showing empathy towards your employees, being curious with your employees, being attentive, showing some humility and, you know, those those words sound, you know, maybe, you know, not very deep, but this work is going really deep into those and truly trying to practice those. And even, you know, those who feel like maybe they are curious, they'll find that doing this work, you you weren't even hitting the surface of, of how curious you can be and what you can learn about your employees and and the impact that can have.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I think about the leaders that have had the most impact in my life, to the example that you gave, Becky, the leaders that I would consider working for would want to follow, are those that are probably not the first to speak up in a room you know, and are able to read the room and understand that. I think I read a statistic recently that said in meetings, um, there are typically three people that talk 80% of the time. And I think we can... We've all probably been in a situation like that, or we are a part of teams where, you know, there's three or four people that do most of the talking. And I think strong leaders know that they don't have to be the ones that have all the answers and they hire good people around them to help come together and make collaborative decisions and that they can humbly say out loud, I don't have all the answers. That's why I have you in this room to help me. And they can apologize when they make mistakes and they can identify what their weaknesses are. So are is there some work and we don't, you know, you don't have to give away all of your secret sauce on this podcast, but, you know, are there some things that you would feel comfortable sharing with our listeners on what some of the exercises are that maybe you would do with your leadership teams to help them peel away the layers of that onion and maybe do some self-reflection on those topics?
1: Can I, really, really quick, I I don't want to forget this. And uh, just before we move on, I I did want to circle back because Jesse asked the question right in the beginning, like, what are people missing or, you know, what are they doing wrong? When we talk about a good leader and what it looks like, I think we, it seems like we always agree on what that looks like. Most people just kind of have that feeling of the people that we like. And we talked about empathy and, and being curious and humble and whatnot. So why is that not, what companies are training to? I've been in leadership. I've been in those trainings. There's a little bit of it, but it's it's. There's a lot of like tactical issues that they try to tackle. So before you answer the question, I just I, I, you know I wanted to jump in there quick. Back to you. Why is it kind of the traditional way of leadership development to not focus on those things?
2: I think the the issue is time for one thing because working on this kind of you know, more of the inside and the who you are does take more time. So, like I said, it's oftentimes an organizational wants to buy that boxed leadership program or the silver bullet or the one and done, and those feel good and they feel concrete. The problem is they just don't always have a, a ROI or they're not sustainable, and so. The time and that it takes to invest and the commitment to that, you know, executives, executive teams are very busy and leadership is busy, and they often don't. You know, they'll say, "I would love to do this. I would love to take the time, but I can't afford to because I just, I just don't have it." And I would say you can't afford not to because the ROI and the impact on your employees would be so freeing and would give you you know, all the time back that you need, because you would actually be growing this trust with your employees and they would be producing a lot more because of the engagement and and the loyalty. Mm -hmm.
1: Thank you. Sorry to shut you off there, Jess.
0: That's okay. Would you like me to repeat it? (laughs) Yeah. Um, so essentially what I was getting at was that leaders, the whole idea that you mentioned about, you know, humility and self-awareness and understand, and then the, the example that I gave around, you know, a strong leader understanding that they don't have to be the first person to speak up or the first person to provide uh, an answer to a question or to a res- you know, provide a resolution to a problem. What are some things that you do in your workshops or through your coaching programs that help create maybe some of that self-awareness and peel away some of the layers of that onion for leaders where these characteristics haven't historically come natural to them. Yeah,
2: I will give you a couple examples of some of the work we do on the journey and then I'll actually throw out a 90-day challenge to to all of you. So the work we do Is every quarter we focus on a new subject. So let's say the subject is that we're going to work on being attentive. And just to give you an idea, the attentive definition is being fully present to and fully engaged with others in every interaction. And that sounds, we all think we know what the word attentive means, but that one hit me like in every interaction, imagine being attentive to. Everyone that you interact with all day long, every time. So that means putting the phone down, not texting or, or you know, so often as executives, we think, oh, I have to take this call because it's the CEO. It's so important. And we're sending messages all day long to our employees that they're not important, important. So it's things like that, activities like that, where we are taking a deep focus on and we are practicing, we are trying our hardest and we're, we're writing about it with our small group. And, and then at the end of the quarter, we're reflecting on, you know, how did we do on that? So that's one example. Another example would be working on humble and humble is having a mindset of self-forgetfulness, a willingness to see and admit fault. And an eagerness to acknowledge others. So part of our humble journey was really focusing on gratitude. And there's all kinds of studies on how helpful gratitude is for people's well-being. And what I can say to you is that I learned how to show gratitude beyond a thank you and in ways that I had never expressed gratitude before. And I can't tell you the amazing difference by making that little shift from a thank you to someone to truly being grateful to them for what they do for you and what they mean to you. And sending those notes of gratitude just had a tremendous impact. So I would encourage people to just take a look at that small uh, shift. And so those are a couple of examples. And then my 90 day challenge to you would be to start being curious with those that you lead. And for 90 days, really work on being curious. And your curious definition is living life with a proactive bias against the act of assuming. So being curious isn't just saying, hey, what did you do last night? What, you know, and just asking questions and not really caring. It's really about listening to them, understanding their perspective with no bias, don't make any assumptions, and then see how that changes the relationship. And I promise you, it will. So for the next ninety days, I just challenge you to be more curious with your, with your direct reports, with your staff, and ask them. Tell me more about that. Ask them questions you wouldn't normally ask. And as the HR leader, you know, I always learned you got to be careful what you ask. I would say. Forget the law, not, you know, not completely, of course, because we've always got to comply, but just get to know your people in a way that you haven't in the past. And I think it's so important right now in this remote workforce world, I think now is a perfect time for this this kind of work because all these employees are at home, they don't have the connection that they've always had. So they would love a leader that took the time to really start interacting with them in a very different way by being curious, attentive, humble, and and every everything else that goes with it along the way.
1: Have you seen or you know, worked with clients on their like organizational structure? I'm just wondering how much capacity a leader has to be able to do that and if there are things that get in the way. Like if I have 10 people that report to me you know, being more curious, well, that may mean that that's three more hours of my day or, or something. So do you work with people or do you have any opinions on what the right ratio is as far as leaders to employees?
2: You know, I don't know that I have an opinion, you know, some people's scope is much larger, you know, 10 employees when it comes to eval time and all of that gets complicated However what I would say again is that the more the more employees that you have the more it benefits you to take the time to get to know them, gain their loyalty, gain their trust because you know your job as a, as a leader really is about taking care of the people. It's really not about getting the task done you're relying on them to get the task done and I think sometimes we think our job is to get the get the job done. And so if you, if you switch your focus to really taking care of the people and meeting their needs day in and day out and making it easier for them, then you will be able to deliver so much more. So from a time standpoint, the work I'm talking about, it doesn't matter if you have five, 10 or 50 people, you're practicing these skills, and you're going to learn to use them on everyone you come encounter. And so, you know, a lot of the work we do on the journey is work you you can do it on your. your it's going to rub off on your family relationship, your friends, people in the community. You know, we're working on Agapone right now, which is really about love. It's selfless love for others and. You know, beautiful stories of individuals on the journey, helping an individual who was disabled at the bus stop, who the bus driver didn't want to let on the bus. And because she was on the journey, was thinking about this, how can I show this selfless love? And she went and helped the gentleman and made sure he was able to, to get home. So it has an impact both professionally and personally. And so, again, I would say it doesn't, it's not so much about how many people you have, but it's about practicing these and it's just who you become.
0: Yeah, I was going to make the correlation between personal and professional. And you guys have maybe heard of like the sourdough theory before, but sourdough has to be fed every day in order for it to grow and to become into a delicious loaf of sourdough. And that's what leadership is like, right? You have to feed your people. Every day. And you have to show up for your people every day. And then that waterfall effect will happen where your team will just start to work, maybe even more or more effectively or more efficiently because you're feeding it every day just like you feed a friendship relationship or you know a romantic relationship that you have with a spouse or a significant other so i really like that correlation one thing that i wanted to go back to Becky before we move any further was the comment that you had made about gratitude so for some that might feel very it might come very easy for them and that might be something that's already built into their normal leadership practice but for somebody who hasn't exercised that gratitude muscle historically, can we, can we give our listeners an example? You know, you said you, you talked about the difference between thank you and gratitude. Would you describe the gratitude as just going that extra mile to be very specific about telling that employee what you're thankful for and how they personally impacted you? Or would there be another example that you would give to demonstrate that?
2: Yeah, I actually I'm going to start with a personal example because of the impact it had. So my mother in law is 80 years old, and she's been quarantined, quarantining for way too long and by herself. And I decided she couldn't come for Thanksgiving because she's been afraid to go out. And so I decided to practice gratitude with her. And I have sent her countless cards over the years and thanked her countlessly and told her what a wonderful mother-in-law and mother and grandmother she is. But I switched it this time to true gratitude. And I wrote her a list of, I am grateful to you for allowing me to, you know, marry your son and, and, you know, all of those. So I I switched it to just really describing to her what she's done for us, you know, for, for when she always, she took care of our youngest and, and really spelled out gratitude. And what I got back from her was a voicemail because I missed her call. And it was true tears of, like, wow, no one has ever said it to me like that before. And how grateful and I don't have words and it means so much. And she was truly moved. So it's just that difference between, you know, we all say, thanks, you know, thank you employee for doing the thing, right. But maybe it's thank you employee for all of the time and effort you put into that presentation. I know you've been going through some struggles personally and you've been working through all that. And yet you devoted all of this time because you're so loyal to the company. And I have to tell you the impact that had on the organization. The presentation went amazing and your work on it made the difference, you know, on and on. But it's that difference of just that that easy thank you we all do even writing a thank you card sometimes it's you know we might write 10 of them and they all say the same thing it's really really like actually deeply feeling that gratitude and putting yourself in that person's shoes and saying what what impact have they had on my life cuz my success isn't mine alone it's really about everybody around me and i need to be grateful for all of those employees that contribute to my success, the organization's success. And then that makes the employee more successful
0: as well. It's really about personalizing the message and not making it feel so generic. Right.
1: Probably changes you too, right? I mean, you sit down, you write those things about everything you're grateful for, and that brings it to the surface for you. And it has an effect on you as well, not just the person. So it's, it's about truly being grateful for for those things
2: yes I can tell you that this the journey work and focusing on others because it's all about we've been working all about you know others focused I can tell you if you're going through a tough time yourself and and you're you know experiencing some things that aren't the best in your life This can turn that attitude around so quickly because it is so rewarding to see the delight in somebody else's eyes by focusing your attention on them. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So we have a lot of different generations in the workforce right now. Some of this, you know, being a millennial, it it sounds touchy feely on on some levels, right? And that we kind of brought that into the workplace and we were met with a lot of criticism a a while back. Do you find it's harder to get this through in, in certain generations within the workplace? Or how do you how do you deal with that? Because I've I've seen both sides of it where this is really important. And then there's also like, hey, we have a business to run and we have results to get. And my job is to hold you accountable.
2: Yes, I do believe it's hard to help people understand the value. You know, if there's all kinds of statistics that speak volumes for doing this kind of work and their engagement statistics, their ROI, profitability, all of them say, you know, four times profitability if you do this kind of work well. However, at the end of the day, people gloss over that because, as you said, they just want the results. So one thing we're really looking at is, you know, helping organizations understand that if you combine the who with the what that will really pay off and combining those two together will you know get you even farther along than just focusing on that what so you know really saying the what is important it but it is more of a one and done learning this is a, this is a journey this can change people's lives For for the better, it can be a gift. I call it a gift to leaders. Uh, Even if they're closer to retirement, I call it a gift for their families as they go into retirement because it does change. It changes who you are by doing the work.
0: I've used this term quite a bit when I've done coaching or I've had, you know, even just one on one conversations with leaders who are struggling about the concept of leading a legacy and not just leaving a legacy. And that, so what you just shared there, Becky, really resonated with me in that regard. You know, what is some advice that you've given to leaders in the past that just say, I'm too busy for that, or my schedule doesn't allow for that? I mean, is it as easy as you just need to be proactive in carving out time and or retooling your schedule, or are there other kind of tips or suggestions that you've provided them?
2: You know, I always like to talk about, you know, coaching, mentoring is it should just be in the moment, right? And so this doesn't mean you have to go and schedule all this extra time with your employees, but coach in the moment, be in the moment, and take those opportunities with the already scheduled one on ones and just be more curious and practice these things. One thing I would, I always recommend though is with those one on ones, those are important to your employees. And so if that's your if that's their time with you, honor those. And don't be late, don't reschedule a million times. Now, emergencies come up, we all understand that. But you that, you know, people start looking at you as what kind of leader you are by how reliable you are and how committed you are to them. And so send the right message. And so again, I would just say that, really just incorporate this into who you are and every meeting you are in, every interaction you have, and then it doesn't have to feel like it's adding a whole bunch of time. Now we do practice certain things on the journey. So we do ask that you practice and then journal. And so there is some time commitment there. And, but overall you, you can just incorporate it right into the work you're doing every day.
1: So, I'm listening to this. I have leaders that are in my mind that I'm like, hey, they need to work on this stuff. How do you bring this up? I feel like that's a, a tough thing to push. Like, I, you know, I lead leadership and development at my company, let's say. And I've seen this in the past where it's like everybody kind of knows this leader may need to work on some of these skills, but nobody wants to say that to him. Nobody wants to tell somebody that, hey, you're not humble, you're not curious, you don't really care about people are there some ways that you can get them to go through these things without confrontation?
2: <laughs> you know, ideally, I think you would bring it into a culture, right? So a culture with a leader, like one you described, if it's a good culture, they want to put up with that. Right. And and if they're that committed to their culture, they would probably send them to a coach or through a program In other, you know, other examples, I would say that, you know, this, ideally, this would be done within an organization and and all of the leadership would join in in some form or fashion, because you want every employee to experience this kind of leader, right? So... So I guess, you know, twofold, it's, it's never easy with that individual that really doesn't get it. And you're still going to have those leaders that say, yeah, yeah, I've been through all kinds of leadership programs. I don't really need it. And that's a good sign that they're probably the very kind of leader that absolutely needs it, but they're probably not going to do, do the work of, of the journey. Yeah. Um, yeah,
1: And I, as I say that, what I'm kind of thinking is oftentimes it's that frontline leaders that are given the leadership training because, you know, the VPs, the ones above them, they already got it figured out. And so, and that's kind of my point is there, when you look at an organization, is there the top leadership, ultimately it drives its way down. And that's where I've, I feel like I've seen in, in certain organizations where, how do you reach maybe the the top side of the leadership or you know the people running it and is there a way for for people to kind of push that but i think you answered it there i know it's a struggle i mean i've i've seen it and people like the person or they do a good job they they handle the accountability aspect but there's just some of those soft skills and things that that they could get better at and nobody wants to say it though
2: yeah i think with i think it does need to start with top leadership and I think. The answer is to share the research with them because the research is compelling and it's been done by several. I mentioned all of the different organizations that have come to the same conclusion. And so, you know, I think if you find those organizations that really want to improve their culture, they might already have a great culture, but they want to make it, you know, the best culture out there. I think they are going to be open to this kind of work and it might take longer for those that don't embrace a good culture and focus more on, you know, pure profitability, then, you know, it might take them longer to, to realize the value of it until maybe they meet a person or two that has gone through it and they can share their story with them.
0: Yeah. And I would also say sometimes conflict or uncomfortable conversations can't be avoided. You know, um, if if there isn't a, a larger initiative going on, that leader should be approached and And have a very candid conversation about, hey, you know, this is, you know, maybe feedback I've received, or maybe it's something that came through an engagement survey, or maybe it's just anecdotal feedback that's been fed to other people in the department about that leader not showing up as his or her best. And, you know, uh, Becky, you had talked about how all of this is really a gift to leaders. And I feel like feedback, constructive, solid feedback is also a gift, whether well received or not.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. So the other other question that I wanted to ask you about today is you know, as organizations are looking to hire a people leader into a specific role, you know, we talked about some of those important characteristics today um kind of earlier at the top of the podcast episode. Are there things that you would encourage a hiring manager to include as part of, you know, an interview or Uh, an assessment that really tries to kind of get at, you know, humility and building trust and making time for, you know, leading people on their teams, et cetera, et cetera. Or if the answer is no, are there other things that you would typically recommend to a hiring manager in that scenario? You know, I haven't,
2: to be honest, I haven't really thought about interview questions, but it's a great question. I think what I would would focus on and and naturally do is, is just ask them about, you know, their past leadership, how, how many employees they've managed and what did that look like? And I always like to ask what would those, if I called them or when I call them, what would those employees tell me about your leadership? And I do that throughout every job they have and look for patterns and see you know what kind of individual they are and and usually you get a good glimpse into do they invest and spend much time are those employees still calling them have they brought other employees with them from other companies and you look for those kind of things cuz people really do want to follow those great leaders and so if they if they can't share much about their employees or or how they lead i think it would be a a sign that they're probably not going to be a people leader.
0: Mm -hmm. And then for somebody that maybe hasn't been a people leader before, they've always been an individual contributor and they're looking to get into a people leader role. Do you think you would pose it kind of similarly but maybe how you've showed up as a pseudo leader or ways in which you've led without the title? Yeah,
2: I think if I was interviewing someone going from a you know, not leading people into leading people. I would really want to see if, you know, we've all heard the stories of the technical expert that gets promoted because they're so good technically and they have no people skills. So I would really want to ask, you know, why do you, why would you want this role? What would be rewarding to you if you were to lead other people? What would that look like for you? You know, if you're interacting with, with employees? How would you do that? How would you engage your employees? And I would also dig into whether they're ready to give up being the expert, because that often is part of the issue if they're not going to be a good leader.
0: Yep. So I've got one more question and then Mike, I'll turn it over to you if there's anything else you want to ask Becky before we kind of close things up. But, you know, Becky, you and I kind of had a conversation prior to recording this podcast about how women have been impacted in the workforce specifically due to the pandemic. I think the statistic that I read kind of at the end of last year was that four times more women than men left the workforce in 2020 due to the pandemic. And you know the the article that I read went on to talk about you know if we don't do something quickly to uh, close that gap we're going to have some significant inequities uh, within the workplace going forward. And I know that your work is you know predominantly focused on people in leadership roles, and I know that this statistic affects women across the board, whether individual contributor or a people leader. But just curious if you have any thoughts for our listeners on what organizations can do to try to retain their female workforce and or their females in leadership positions while we're still navigating this pandemic. And frankly, after the pandemic, and we go back to some form of new normal.
2: Yeah, you know, I would recommend that organizations are willing to be flexible and to invest in the, in the women leaders. I like to always say that, you know, oftentimes the men, the executives, They do more from a standpoint of they're involved in some executive peer groups, they're involved in maybe golf events or hunting, and oftentimes the women either don't get offered the opportunity or they can't because they have all these other obligations at home and they just don't find the time. So I would just recommend organizations find a way to make sure that they're giving those women leaders, those outlets, in order to give them that break or support systems outside of, you know, I meet so many women who it's, you know, home, home life, you know, doing whatever they have going on at home, and now they're trying to be teachers on top of it, and then work and there is just no time left, they don't have any me time, and I think the organizations that figure out that they're going to figure out a way to, to give that breathing room during the day, what you know, paid time to go do something that can fill their cup, I think they will be farther ahead.
0: Yeah, I love that. Well, good. Well, Mike, anything that you were hoping I would ask or wanted to make sure we cover with Becky?
1: No, not, not as far as questions go. I do want to go back to what was the challenge again?
2: The 90 day challenge is for them to be curious with their employees and really take every opportunity you can to ask, you know, what else and really dig in deeper to what an employee is telling you. So, you know, if they're at home and they give you, I'm fine, you know, asking more, are you really fine and going deeper and then, you know, the taking it a step further and journaling that and even even do it with a small group if you're if you're up for that but but just taking that true time to really try to get more curious and then and then seeing at the end of the 90 days what impact that had for on you and on the employees
1: i love that because i always like something to be taken you know that we always give so much information there's a lot here if you want more information like reach out to becky but as far as like taking something that's applicable and putting it in from day one. I love that. And, uh, and, and, you know, I, I think that it's hard to do those things and 90 days is a long time. And if you can get through that 90 days, it will change, you know, who you are for sure. So I, I love that. And I don't have anything else uh, as far as questions.
0: All right. Well, Becky, it was so great to have you on today. I know our listeners are going to love this content. I thoroughly enjoyed it and walked away with some things that I can bring back to my leadership team today as well. So if our listeners have questions for you or would like to connect or would like to learn more about Next Monday, what's the best way for them to connect with you?
2: They can either go to next-monday.com and connect via the website. They can just, there's a They can go on the website and connect with me directly, or uh, they can connect with me via cell phone. I can give that out. It's 612-281-4064.
0: Okay. And I know, I believe it was last week um, that you guys held a a, a webinar. Are there any other events coming up that you'd want to make our listeners aware of at this time, or should they just kind of follow along on LinkedIn? We will be offering
2: a lunch and learn event in uh, April and dates to be announced soon. And that's going to be a little bit about kind of the burnout. So a good topic right now, especially for women. So that event will be coming. And then we're in the process of we do an annual summit. We did not do one last year because of COVID. So we're in the process of planning for that and hoping to do one. In the fall, so a couple of events coming up, and then more to come in the future.
0: Okay. So the best way to get information on the date and time would that be LinkedIn or to check in with the next Monday website?
2: Yeah. If they go to our website and they join our our newsletter or our you know they join our email list, that's the best way to get notified.
0: Okay. Great. Well, thanks again, Becky. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of What the HR. If you want to hear more episodes like this, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever platform you're listening through now. If you enjoyed the podcast, do us a favor and share with your network, your boss, or your CEO. Help us get this podcast in front of anyone who wants to know what HR looks like when done well. Also, if you have any questions for show topics or people you'd like us to interview, please email Mike and I at podcast at tcsherm.org. That's podcast at tcshrm.org If you want to find out more about Twin City Sherm or our upcoming events, please visit our website at tcsherm.org. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And finally, if you're not already a member of Twin City Sherm, Please use code WHATTHEHR at checkout to receive $20 off your membership. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next episode.